Welcome to the Creative Minds Podcast with me, Callum Hughes. Something for your mind. So, hello everyone. I hope you're all keeping well, especially with this second lockdown that we find ourselves in now. So, in this next episode of Creative Minds, presented by myself, Callum Hughes, I'm going to be joined by the owner and partner of Lab 11 and also other in-house brands such as glass terminal magic door and after dark it's taken quite a lot for me to persuade will to come in on this one especially with all the debauchery and antics over the years so does mean a lot this instagram live will be part of the save lab 11 campaign if you head to the link in my bio you can find out further information there where with whatever donation you make, there's tier rewards, and you can also find out what your donation will go towards as well. I'm just going to invite Will in now. Yes, Will, how are we? Hi. All good. Yeah, nice one for joining me, mate. I know where uh, you're very much the man who likes to be behind the scenes and be in the corner in the office in that little. Well, I'm get me to do this one, mate. To be honest, <laughs> with you. I nah, look, mate. It was definitely the perfect time with everything that's going on at the moment. It's a nice slot into the Save Lab Eleven campaign. So, first of all, obviously, it makes sense chronologically to go right the way back to the start of the journey or even before then. So for some of the younger generation who probably aren't aware that your likes of Terminal existed before Lab in a jewellery quarter, Glass, was it Rainbow? If you could just tell us a little bit more about those brands before Lab 11 started and then what the inspiration was to actually start the Lab 11 movement. Yeah, man, well, I think, to be fair, it probably all started with like, the original Terminal. I think um, not many people know, but obviously I think like when Dee and Matt and that started the original terminal, I knew um, I knew of them just through partying, really. I mean, we did a lot of partying back in the day. Ah. And definitely started it with the, for the right reasons, but there was like a, the original terminal was supposed to be, it was like what well, actually, if you know the button factory in the, yeah. um, and what used to be Virtue and that in the jewellery court, it was actually meant to be opposite that. And the guys had basically asked me to do some of the promotions and that for there. But that venue never actually saw the light of day because I can't remember for whatever reason, but it kind of fell through. And then um, in the meantime, we kind of like did come to me with this idea and like this other party. And that was like the idea for the basis of glass and stuff. And we were doing some other parties at the time. And then Lee had basically approached me for one of my other parties about coming to do something down at the rainbow, the the garden, the beach, sorry. So it was like this, the, the when the beach first started. And it wasn't quite right for like Jay's house, which was like this mad after party that we used to do at the time. So um, because the original, the, the new kind of what was terminal venue didn't happen, we kind of like started off then. Uh, we kicked off glass at the, uh, at, at, at the beach, at the rainbow. And that kind of all started then, and that just went, you know, Sunday parties, <laughs> kind of 
Basically. No one turning up to work on a fucking Monday morning. Well, I don't think anybody had work on a Monday morning. Because <laughs> it was just like, it just blew up, really. And um, we did loads. We just did, yeah, we did a lot of pine. I think it used, back in the day, you'd do like Thursday, DVA, Friday, DJ and Wolves, and they put like um, Switch. Uh, then you could go through to like Saturday to the bars. Then you'd up in like in one of the clubs. Then you go to Kudos or Bushwhackers or somewhere like that. And then Glass on a Sunday, like the weekends were pretty, pretty full on. Yeah, I can imagine, mate. What year was that? Oh, mate. So that was 2008, yeah. basically. Fucking hell, mate. I don't think I was doing my GCSEs in 2008 and you were booting off down the Rainbow Garden. <laughs> The years have gone past pretty quick, mate. The last ten years, I can tell you that for free. But um, it's good, man. And then, and then, then came, then came Terminal in the Jewelry Quarter, which was like that. Finally, came to life when the guys found another venue. And um, yeah, I mean, look, you know, that was just a wicked, wicked space. Anybody who kind of remembers it, because there wasn't really, you know, you had Below, um, which was doing that kind of underground thing, and had been doing it for a while. And then at that time, there wasn't really like a straight up Saturday night club as such, you know what I mean? And um, not for that kind of music. And that's kind of where Terminal came in. And that venue was just ridiculous, do you know what I mean? Like anyone who used to go there, you know, it was like the sound was amazing in there. It had like the big overhead, like LED rig, which is like probably like old school technology now, but like the Watergate kind of one. Yeah. And, uh, I've seen the pictures of the lights where it goes across the ceiling and down the wall yeah. as well just just nuts and it was a good crew on it you got like you know there was loads like james reynolds ash doing the bookings and it was just a good time like i mean mate you know we had um back then you had everyone from like seb okay reboots armin dixon yeah ash was showing me the lineups to be fair a couple of weeks ago when we were at fleurs you showed me like all on resident advisor like the original lineups and it's just proper forward thinking and I wanted to ask as well, because in terms of the success that you experienced with Glass and Terminal before Lab even opened, what, what do you think made it so successful? Was it like a good crew of residents? You know, there's less less phones back in the day and people just wanted to have it off and there was a lot more togetherness. What, what do you feel was the, the kind of ingredients that made it as successful as it was? I think a lot of it is just like right place, right time. I think, you know... With something like glass, you know, the rainbow was new. Do you know what I mean? Into well, you know, the warehouse and that then, and then you know, you have also back then you had like the gay scene and the straight scene were two completely separate things. And I think what glass did was like bridge that. Yeah. And I, that was like the biggest thing that I noticed because I don't think you really have those difference in clubbing scenes anymore. Do you know what I mean? It's just yeah. like mixed. There are still kind of specialist specialist venues that do kind of different things but at the end of the day that that just ticked that tick the box at the right time and i think it's like one thing i think definitely as you get older you know it's a bit more of a cycle probably because been doing it a bit longer now but uh definitely see things come round. like back then there wasn't really that sunday party going out to places you were going to like proper clubs mm. and, um you know whereas then it started like that warehouse kind of era started again and it's a bit ironic really because it's almost like we're going back into the other cycle again now where people are actually want to be in like actual clubs or just places that are a bit nicer than just straight up warehouses yeah so 
think a lot of it, mate, just the right time. And, um, yeah, I think definitely that. You could talk about phones all day long, but it's probably a good job that there was no camera phones and stuff back then. <laughs> it was just, mate, it was just pretty crazy. Do you know what I mean? People weren't, you didn't have Instagram. You didn't have, you know, Facebook was just coming through. You know, you had MySpace and you had, like, your top five tracks and, like, a few pictures and stuff like that. And yeah. um, it's mad, you know, you had, like, Till Late and, like, different club photographers. And I think people then, you, the photographers got the photos and you just concentrated on having a good time. And I do think that has a massive, massive, plays a massive role to it, you know what I mean? Because you look out on the dance floors and a lot of people, like, they're just waiting to capture that moment, you know what I mean? Whereas back then you were like invested and fully probably lost in that moment. Do you know what I mean? So definitely. I hope an element of that does come back, especially, you know, there's going to be a fair few months that we would have been out of a club. And I really do hope that, although in some respects, yeah, it is good because, you know, whether it's for a, for a DJ or an emerging brand, you know, capturing it on social media can have its advantages, but it also does create that, that barrier and that kind of fragmentation on the dance floor. Whereas, you want people to just come together because that's where, you know, I, su- I suspect you and Dee have probably laughed over the years, the amount of relationships and marriages that you've brought together through lock-ins and people meeting on your dance floors at the parties and whatever. I suppose there's probably been a couple of divorces over the years as well. Yeah, well, could talk a lot about them. Probably won't <laughs> But, uh, mate, someone actually proposed to their missus at Glass. Jesus uh, Christ. <laughs> I remember they came up to me and they're like, oh, can you play um, Strings of Life like at this time on this thing because I'm going to propose to my missus. And uh, I can't remember who that was now, but yeah, basically someone got down and one day, middle of a Sunday rave at Glass proposed. And um, yeah, mate, you know, there's just been, just been like loads of great characters over the years, mate. You know, it's just been, yeah, I think, I don't know, just been a bit because probably you're more invested in back then as well. There's a lot of those characters, especially the shady ones, are still hanging around. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah. be that well. Yeah. In like 10, 15 years' time, still, still <laughs> stood in the warehouse or fucking in in the uh, in the uh, what's it called, the greenhouse for after dark. Probably be me, mate. But coming off the back of like terminal and glass, what was the main inspiration then from thinking? You know, you you wanted to to, to go alone and. You know, obviously not solo because you know there's you and other people involved as well. What what year did it start with the Lab Eleven movement? I can't remember the exact exact year when it all started, but I think um, I remember it more so. We, we came off the back of we did like a couple of years. We did like the Glass Amnesia, and then the year after we made like ridiculous decisions to try and do like our own party in like S Paradise in Ibiza, which was just like just mental really when you think about it and it was just like definitely all these dreams of like trying to crack Ibiza failed miserably um pretty much lost everything ended up moving back home all that kind of stuff and um it was around that time then probably a year after terminal closing if I'm guessing do you know what I mean that there was like talk of Lab 11 starting and then you know looking at different venues and the guys were kind of like looking at stuff and then doing that I'd found a unit that was wicked. I mean, if you just saw it back, you saw it then compared to what it is now, it's just like, you know what I mean? Like a whole different thing. Probably couldn't even recognise it myself, do you know what I mean? Going into it. And then, um, I think then after that, 
kind of I had a bit of a break from everything just because I think yeah just the whole little beaver thing just kind of knocks knocked me for six mate to be honest for those um, learning curves I think for anyone listening people might look at you now you know as a successful you know venue owner you know all the in-house brands in, in their own right have, have done really well but Mate, the things you've had to go through over the years and knockbacks and the struggles and some of the things that you played your hand at and it hasn't turned out, well, probably very much quite how you, you never dreamed or expected. But sometimes you need a little bit of a knockback to then come back, you know, think about a different game plan and get back to the drawing board. So, Oh, mate, 100%. There's been, oh, there's been loads of those over the years. Do you know what I mean? Even, even with Lab 11 up to more recently, you know, there's... There's times when you question whether it's going to happen, um, whether you're going to kind of push it through. Because, you know, for ages, it was just like, I think there's a definitely a preconception over clubs and parties sometimes that you can be smashing it. And a lot of the people who are involved in them know it's like, it might look that the place is packed and stuff like that. But then you start booking a, a load of like expensive techno DJs and stuff like that. And then before you know it, you're like, you're definitely running at a loss no matter which way you look at it. So, you know, been just loads of knockbacks but I think you know we believed in what we're doing did loads of partying so probably we're doing a lot of it as well just for like the enjoyment of it and it just came from there and I think definitely as you do it longer you have a bit more bit more experience to kind of rein yourself in at times do you know what I mean and then uh, and then develop it into something I mean it's probably only more recently what in the last like three years that things really start to kind of turn a corner with stuff and um, yeah, you just you just take on all the things that you learn. Do you know what I mean? The knockbacks, and the thing is, probably going to make the same mistakes again. Do you know what I mean? I think you've got to try stuff sometimes, and unless you try it, you know what I mean. Sometimes it's going to work, sometimes it isn't. But I think if you do it for the right reason, you know, you enjoy enjoy the journey of it all, and don't take it too too much to heart. That's the best way to kind of get through it. But yeah, we enjoyed it, mate. That was the main thing. Do you know what I mean? And that was at the back of it all, really. Absolutely. I think, like you say there, it's about doing it for the right reasons. I think, like you've just said there, if it was all about the financial gain, you probably would have given up quite a few years ago because there's some parties where you might do well. But then when you look at the other parties where, like you say, you've had to invest a lot in you know, big headliners with probably quite extortionate fees at times. By the time you've taken into consideration riders, production, everything else all the overheads this is what people don't see and you know the amount of people that probably hassle you saying oh can i have guest list can i have this can i have that i mean you know you're a generous guy you probably think sometimes fucking hell mate got a few bills to pay you if you don't mind chucking us a tenner or 20 quid to come in yeah mate it's different i suppose 100 percent. i think that's where the uh the difference is when you've got the venue it's like those those tenors on the door start to be different because at least you know kind of mean people will be buying a few drinks yeah, Might do too many. Do you know what I mean? Especially <laughs> after parties and stuff. But uh, but yeah, you know, it's just like there's just loads of stuff that goes on behind the scenes, and you know, sometimes the, the parties that look the most successful aren't generally anything kind of like underground. I think it's kind of like it's near enough impossible. Like to start a party where you're just booking DJs and stuff like that is pretty much the blueprint of like how to not run a kind of like successful business in a way do you know what I mean and I think that's where the lab thing kind of turned the corner and I learned a lot of that off other people as well do you know what I mean it's just like got like people like Jit kind of reining me in at times do you know what I mean <laughs> uh, 
days and stuff. That's something. If Jit's having to rein you in, how bad were you back in the day? <laughs> oh, man. Well, if you know what I mean, it's just like, it came to just going for stuff sometimes and then we just think, you know what, you have to have, like, different voices of reason around you, do you know what I mean, in terms of, like, difference of opinions and I suppose now I'm a lot more cautious with it, but, um, but yeah, mate, you know, techno parties and stuff like that, so hard and I think with something like Glass and, like, some of the other party-based brands, that's the thing that I keep trying to, like, when I'm speaking to some of the lads now, it's just, like, really build it around your party and just don't try and build it around guests or all other things. You know what I mean, build your crew and, and do it that way, really. That's the one main thing I'd say for anyone looking to try and start a party now. Yeah, absolutely. That's the thing, but if, if you've got a good, you know, solid core of residents all bring something different to the table, then, you know, you can still do well as a brand, definitely. And I think, you know, lots of glass and after dark, fair play, the amount of different people you've brought through that, they might not necessarily produce yet, but, you know, they're good DJs. They still bring a good crowd. They know how to, to set it off properly. But I know from when we were talking a couple of months ago, I, I was shocked, but obviously impressed. That, did you say you started Glass when you were about 19, the first Glass? Um, mate, I think earlier. So, what, I'm 32 now, so 2008. So, um what would that be now? So, maths, mate, I failed maths a couple of times before I finally fucking scraped. I was doing maths at uni and, and dropped out, like, so I should be able to. How different would life have been if you ended up doing maths at uni, mate? <laughs> probably, yeah. Uh, probably would have been more organised, to be honest. <laughs> and when. Would you say probably 17, 18? I think, I think Jit's questioning your age there, mate, saying 32, fuck off. <laughs> Yeah, um, still younger than you, Jit, mate. Do you know what I mean? So, um, uh, so yeah, I thought I was 20 when we uh, started. Yeah. Well, you know, in, in terms of, like, you know, you were saying things that you've learned off people over the years because, you know, you've been a party starter from quite an early age. Who were, like, your main mentors? Was it kind of just people around you and you learnt off one another's mistakes or did you learn off other people from when you were even younger than that? Yeah, I think, do you know what it was? Like, I started partying, kind of just like, that just from, uh, when I was 18 at school, started going out, and a lot of my mates were older, and uh, yeah, just, mate, started partying, and it all kind of went downhill from there, do you know what I mean? Because, like, went to a private school, and my parents were thrilled when, like, wasn't turning up to exams, because I was, like, rolling in from QDOS at, like, 6 at, like, AM, and, like, ended up at after parties and stuff, and then... I don't know, I think, like, started partying, you bump into you bump into characters there, like, you know, as I said, like, D, G, Kiddo, you know what I mean? Back then, there, there wasn't many DJs, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Around, you know, like, that's the thing now, there's, like, so many different DJs and promoters and stuff, there was only, like, a few, I'd say it was probably, like, um, yeah, it was just, yeah, Dave, Dave Rose took me to, <laughs> but he took me to my first, like, proper after party, that was mud which uh, ruined that used to run. I think we went to a few there, like hidden, 52 degrees north. So you've got to remember, like, back then I was still at school. So, like, be like, leaving school of the weekend, coming back to school on Monday morning, and uh, people have been out to bars and that, but not been to, like, I've been over to Brum from Wolves at these, like, mad after parties where you can guess what kind of what went on. And, and yeah, just bumped into carrots and it just, like, DJing, and it was, like, a proper... There's loads of characters back then, do you know what I mean? 
boys now though doesn't it in terms of like, building that network obviously you have to make that effort coming over from Wolves to Brum and I think the more you show your face you know that applies now just as much as it did back then you know the more you show your face you know you meet up with like-minded people you know you get a good crew around you and you never know what doors can open or where you might end up and I think that that's what I've loved to be honest every second so far obviously working for you and all these different things is you know sometimes you just got to take that risk and take that play and just try and enjoy it along the way but obviously probably a bit harder for you to enjoy when there's so much at stake in time I think you've always got to look at doing it's different now in some senses just because like I think parties change I mean I think back then as well like weekly parties were it's a big thing because weekly parties like that's where I think you know maybe I don't know because I'm not really in, in in the actual middle of the parties all the time but back then like the weekly parties like I said Bushwhackers, Kudos, Fuel, um, the bars. Like, there was a massive bar culture, which almost feels like it's coming back round again now. Mm. But you, you, there was characters. So, like, you go into places and, like, people would stand, like... People would have the same places where they stood. Do you know what I mean? So... Even if you, so, mate, no-one can ever get in your seat in the corner of the office. Just, it's just nuts. But you lose, like, you have different people. So you have the Wolves crew... You know, people from Redditch, Coventry, do you know what I mean? And everyone would kind of meet up and get everyone the thing. And you would see the same faces every week. Whereas I think now, definitely like the social media has brought like loads of positives to a lot of stuff. But it's changed the club scene because it's like, it's weekend events now. It's not really like that weekend kind of culture. And I think the weekly parties, I think After Dark is like, apart from bars, for instance, like After Dark's probably one of the, the latest ones which kind of brought back a weekly culture but even then because there's like so much big stuff on offer around the country mm. a lot of people are travelling and going to different places you can go to Warehouse Project do you know what I mean a lot of yeah. people are doing Warehouse Project one week they might come lab in a few weeks after and they might go into London so I don't think you kind of get that same kind of like community within the scene as much do you know what I mean where people see each other and I think that has a massive difference do you know what I mean no massive no the scene in general definitely so i think the first time i went lab was 2016 i'm not sure if it was acid experiment or magic door but what what year did lab 11 formally open and what were the first few years like obviously you, you brought glass you brought terminal there what were the main brands and then i suppose what kind of went on well can't go into too much detail but what went on in the early years before it started to develop and, and grow I think like in the early years, it was definitely like the basis was on, in fact, funny really, it was based on trying to be like a weekly Saturday party. And I think at that time, the only really one that was like probably the last of the weeklies that was doing really well was probably Face, do you know what I mean? That was the last, like the proper weekly parties that I can remember, do you know what I mean? Pre, probably after dark and that. And um, I think when Lab started, like the original idea and the way that the guys were doing the bookings and all that, it was based around trying to do like a weekly Saturday proper, like really true underground night every Saturday night and then try and do something alternative on a Friday, a bit like the fabric model. Yeah. It just didn't work. Do you know what I mean? It was just like, you know, in some ways it was probably like before its time and then in other ways it was probably after its time, do you know what I mean? Because of that way that the scene changed. And I don't think anyone really expected it. What was the way... Do you feel that transition 
I think social media had a massive part to play in it. You know what I mean? Because, as I said, people went to places before because you knew it was on week in, week out, and you built it up over that time. Whereas then, the more kind of interaction and engagement that social media brought and the way that you listed your events and all that kind of thing, it kind of like made a big difference to it. You know what I mean? So I think the early days at Number 11, it was like that. And then, you know, there was when that kind of changed, you had a few of the parties, you had output that like Zach and um, Zach and Kilo were doing. And then, you know, One Dub did a few parties. I think Tech 2, one of the early Tech 2s, you know, they, they did a couple at Lab. And it was just a case of like, you know, bringing stuff. Um, it's when we were, when, you know, the weekly stuff wasn't necessarily working how it should have done. It was like right to the drawing board. And then I think it was at that point I started kind of getting back more involved and we're chatting about it. Do you know what I mean? And we tried, we looked, we looked at all different kinds of stuff. I remember we had like loads of meetings about that kind of like, do we make, you know, should there be an umbrella brand? And then you vary stuff up and a lot of stuff. I mean, loads of meetings where we sat there, me, DJ, looking at different sounds and then bringing other brands involved and stuff like that. And you just didn't necessarily feel 100% right at the time to kind of change what terminal was or anything like that. Yeah. And I think the big change was um, obviously glass. We kind of moved glass around. Obviously, it was at Rainbow for years. And then we did a few parties at Boxed. And then that kind of changed what we were thinking with that. And we were a bit reluctant to kind of move glass across to, to Lab because glass had always been like this big, it had been like a massive, um, it was all about the stage show and, and all yeah. the production decor. And so Lab isn't really that kind of venue. And then, um, can't remember when it was, but like one day, obviously the terrace at Lab had always been kind of like iconic. There was like, you know, a couple of other pies, which I'm sure we'll talk about in a bit, that were just ridiculous out there. Do you know what I mean? Into my party. But then um, one day, I think we just, we were walking around, looked at the terrace and we're like, right, the shed that was, do you know what I mean? Um, let's get rid of, like, open the terrace up and make it into, like, one one big space, do you know what I mean? And, and Yeah, and then that was, like, the first kind of where the terrace became all of a sudden this, like, big room. And that was when we were like, right, let's, let's try bringing glass there, do you know what I mean? And, um, I mean, that first party was like, we did, like, glass by day terminal by night which you know the crowds weren't the same crowds the glass and terminal crowd were like completely different things so with the spectrum in it to be fair yeah terminal we did like that was a risk in itself but when we opened that terrace up like that that space was just like unbelievable like the terrace and that's wicked now but anyone who kind of partied on that terrace back in the day i think we were spoiled because you know, it was pre pre deep buff kind of like so not being gentrified, do you know what I mean? But, you know, it was it was outdoor, um, you know, there wasn't as many restrictions about then. And, you know, that part was like Darius, Sarosian, yeah. San Sydney Charles in the day. Oh. And then we had Dennis Brothers on the night and mate, you know, that was like I think that was the start then of like this new kind of way because it was like to the drawing board. That was almost like the relaunch of Lab then and like the idea to try and kind of get it going. And then over time, yeah, just started doing some parties. A lot of those parties turned into like after parties. And it was a, that's when I think the community started to build, do you know what I mean? And it was very much community was building, it was growing. And then bit by bit, more parties kind of came on board, like Magic Door, 
you know, that one just blew up out of nowhere. Um, I think I mean, say Magic Door was one of the first that I went to, and it it did have a really special vibe about it because you, you had a lot of like, the older heads as well that were not really working professionals, and that was almost like their their blowout that they just like going. There's no judgment, just people just straight having it off. That's it. It was wicked, man. It was mate, it was nuts. And, I mean, that really was an idea because Jit and Megan and Dean and everyone just loved dressing up all the time. And then it was like, you know, the first one was at the Hare and Hounds. I think we did a couple there and then we moved it to Lab and we did a party at Lab. And, like, you know, one of that parties, I think that, I think that was actually, yeah, that was, pre, that was pre the shed. Yeah, that was before the shed kind of got knocked down kind of thing. And... Um, Oh mate, you I look back at you look back at some of those photos from those parties and they were special parties, man. Do you know what I mean? It wasn't about it wasn't about social media at all. It was just like they were you were fully invested in having a good time. Yeah. And, uh, we had you know, we had a really good time and uh, they were definitely that period I think was definitely the start, do you know what I mean, of of the new kind of era really and the start of like a lot of things kind of lab eleven starting to grow. Um but yeah, you know, and then, yeah, you just kind of work from there. And then, you know, the acid experiment guys, that was kind of like, they were, you know, starting lab, they were building there. They started building up a bit of a following. And then, um, yeah, there was just like a few different ones. And then I think we, we tried a couple of um, free parties, do you know what I mean? Because we still did a few glasses where we like moved them around. And then we went and did a few elsewhere, do you know what I mean? Because it still wasn't quite still wasn't quite right really for what we felt at the time do you know what I mean because it was pre-using the arch and spaces like that and um yeah then it just kind of like it just started growing and then we did a couple of those free parties on yeah. the bank and they just like out, out of nowhere just like again gave it a proper kind of kick to life do you know what I mean and it just started gathering momentum from there really yeah so I know that we'll discuss some of the favourite moments and the, the big parties in a bit, but it goes without saying that when you're building or developing a club and, and bringing the vision to life, like we've already touched upon, it, it takes years. And, you know, before lockdown, there was all the reinvestment and it was going to like Lab 11 2.0. But like we were saying before, people will probably end an event and think that it's all glitz and glam and Will sat in this massive mansion at the top of a hill, but the reality is, is very different behind the scenes. So if you don't mind just putting into perspective and obviously focusing on negatives too much, obviously there's a lot of highs to running a club, but the realities and how tough it probably has been over the years, some of the ups and downs. Oh, mate, you know, like I said, anyone who knows it, it's just like we've probably like gambled everything um gone all in like a fair few times, do you know what I mean? It's just like and I think that's probably some people would probably say it's like I've got friends who probably think it's like careless at times. I think that's the only way the club's got to where it is. Do you know what I mean? There was times we just thought, right, fuck it, let's go for it, do you know what I mean? And I think I said um I said the other day a couple of people just kinda mentioned it. Um there's a, yeah, there's a few few memories flying in on the comments there. But um you know, I mentioned about a Ben BK who passed away the other day. Yeah. And who, who worked over the years, and like the Craig David thing at, um, at like Q Club, do you know what I mean? That was yeah, like. Went one, to be fair, it was next level, man. Wicked. 
that was a perfect example of like an all-in moment because you know everyone was trying to book the same DJs in Birmingham and you know it kind of like you, you plan for stuff and you couldn't necessarily always plan because you were waiting and you could get hung up on on bookings and we're in a period where you almost feel like you need the booking to survive and you're throwing money into stuff thinking that you're going to get a return out of it and then you know we lost a few bookings and like that Craig Dave one was just like right let's book Craig David somehow managed to get him curveball out of nowhere he'd gone from booking like Santi and Sydney and uh, and Darius and that and then thought right let's go back to him book book uh, book Craig David and that was like didn't quite know if it was going to work out do you know what I mean but we just went for it and it could have gone one way could have gone the other way and I think that is like the epitome of like how how things have worked over the years do you know what I mean same thing we've got the refurb and there's so many things that you don't think about like you know uh, things like PRS and stuff like that, like with the club, it's like all these boring things, like that you have to put money into that cost so much money. Do you know what I mean? And the guys in the office and that will know that without those things, you know what I mean? These certain licenses and you've got different things that you have to hurdles you have to jump through, and they cost a fortune. Do you know what I mean? And we very much just reinvested consistently over the years. Do you know what I mean? Just put everything in. No, Do you no. think? Something that you were probably like naturally born with, or was, was it like a moment when you were growing up, or is it probably a little bit of like you nudging each other saying, "Go on, mate, go all in, go, go all in." I suppose it's a little bit of good influence but bad influence, like angel on one shoulder, devil on the other. What do you think it is that drives you and the crew to just think, you know what, you just got to take the risk, just got to go all in? I think a lot of it's just winging it, mate. To be perfectly being like. I think it's mad, really, because when we were at school, I think one day, one of the lads said the other day, it's just like, just turn around and say, oh, everyone's at, like, school, and everyone's talking about being, like, doctors and accountants and lawyers and that. And I was like, oh, yeah, I want to be a DJ kind of thing, and didn't quite. And he just ended up, like, did a lot of partying, and do you know what I mean? I think that's, like, a natural thing. I mean, my dad was pretty strict, and he, like, passed away unexpectedly when I was, like, 19. Mm. I think that was, like people have life-changing moments where you then, from that, if it wasn't for that and going out and, like, I was just went out and did what I wanted to do then. And then over the years, met, met all the different characters and the people that work with, do you know what I mean? And I think it's just been a natural thing. It's not necessarily been planned, do you know what I mean? It's just, like, you wake up and, like, now it's just, like, right, we're here, do you know what I mean? I don't think it's been... It's just been going through it. And we've definitely winged it, mate. We've definitely winged it. Um... So, yeah, I mean, the lads in the office probably tell you, the amount of stuff which we've tried to plan and tried to execute to a schedule generally never happens. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. it's kind of going for it, do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. But, I mean, one thing I was speaking to Steve about before, obviously, he does the stuff with us for undergrowth is, you know, there's, there's a lot of calculated risks when it comes to just working in the music industry in general because I think, sadly, what, the pandemic has exposed like the music industry can at times be unstable at, at the best of times never mind when you've got you know a global pandemic but i mean whether you're a, a dj full-time or a promoter there's risk there but i think actually owning a venue is just a whole other level of risk and, and responsibility that comes with it so it's probably difficult at the moment because i don't suspect there's many people sat there thinking yeah i, w- I want to open a club but in normal circumstances I don't even know if you can give advice, but what advice would you give to anyone who's sat there thinking, you know what, I'm, 
I, I want to take that risk. I want to open my own venue and, and see if I can have a crack at it. It's a tough one, mate, to race. But I don't know. I think I think you've just got to be. You've got to do it for the right reasons. You know what I mean? You've got to really. You've got to want to do it. And you've got to invest. Not just it's not just a sense about money. You've got to invest yourself into it. I mean, definitely more in the recent years, especially when the. Um, especially when like the clubs actually become i'd say probably successful or viable it's probably the when we did less partying do you know what i mean so um you know the partying helped build it do you know what i mean but then in order to kind of like make it work you've got to invest like everything into it do you know what i mean you've got to be prepared to do stuff yourselves i mean look at one stage we didn't have any we didn't have an office so like basically we the work out fresh work we used to work at Faisley or the CAF or my conservatory <laughs> for years. And like, mate, we did everything like, like as a, as a crew, we did everything. We designed the flyers ourselves, booked the DJs ourselves. We did the setup ourselves, did the takedowns ourselves and did a bit of everything really, do you know what I mean? And it was very much like, it was like a DIY project for everyone involved, do you know what I mean? And it was a yeah. massive collective effort over, over the years. And, as I said, you know, we just got a good crew, good crew of people and the voice. You got kiddos doing the sounds. Um, it's just like it built that family, and I think that was the key, really. You got to have a good crew about it. And I was going to say, I've always noticed that that you know you, you you work with people who you've obviously known for a very long time, whether it's kiddo, D, you know, they're people that you first started partying with, and it's people obviously you can trust, and that that's one thing that I actually liked was when i wanted to get involved with you guys at lab it wasn't just an easy foot in the door you have to earn your stripes and you have to prove yourself which is fair enough because i think anyone can say it doesn't just apply to the music industry but most industries if you're building a business you know you've got to make sure that if you're bringing someone into your circle you can fucking trust them because otherwise you know someone can end up stabbing you in the back which obviously we don't need to go into but it, it applies to any business or industry doesn't it you've got to make sure you've got a good tight circle around you yeah, man, I think, you know what, there's, like, we've got a wicked circle. There's, there's like, there's always, like, rumours of, like, especially, like, in Clubland of, like, people kind of, like, the politics is what you'd say, do you know what I mean? And people kind of stabbing each other in the back or trying to hijack bookings and stuff like that. And a lot of it, you think it's going on or you just look at it as rumours. But, you know, probably more recently, we have seen that side, do you know what I mean? Like, I've saw stuff that been, that's been sent to the police, like, of recent parties, and it's come from other venues and operators, and it shows that it does go on, but you can't really just let that affect you, do you know what I mean? Like, we've got a wicked crew now, do you know what I mean? Like, everyone who's there in the office, like, you know, Rob, Brad, Josh, Adam, uh, Tom, do you know what I mean, Daisy, you know, people like, like I've said, you know, I think Jit's been a massive, like, massive influence on stuff, working with Magdor and other stuff, do you know what I mean? And you've got to have all the people around you that kind of, like, ground you a bit as well, do you know what I mean? And keep you... Keep your reality, do you know what I mean? Because we not, all have... Not Matt, Tom or Jack Gardner. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> the rest no. <laughs> the Legends in, the, in their own right, do you know what I mean? And uh, I think, you know, it's good to see, like, clubs are made up of characters, do you know what I mean? And yeah, definitely. Characters are back, man, to make the parties work well. And, you know, a lot of the people who are doing stuff now, like Shorters and, and, Shorters and Al, obviously working with them, worked with Al a few times in the years, and Shaw's obviously been smashing it for ages, you know, and then obviously, you know, One Four's made a, 
a resurgence in recent years. Don't know how he's got like the same set. Like. <laughs> but um, you know the vocal stuff. It's just like we've got like you know there's a wicked crew there, and it's a massive crew now. Do you know what I mean? Like to to do a to do a venue, it's just like as I said, you've got to be fully invested, and it's different now. You know what I mean? Back then. You had the doors. We didn't even have you didn't have pet barriers outside the club, or you didn't have things like there's no sign. You had a, you know security on there, probably you know you had a couple of security on there. You didn't have the medics. You know what I mean? You didn't have things now to have a club. It's like you got to have um, uh, you got to have some of these comments are cracking me up. Mate. I think that 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 comment against Paul Loss has just set everyone off. I'm probably back. <laughs> On a, on a dinghy is a pretty pretty standout memory but um uh, that, that was it after dark last year was it the big that was crazy but uh yeah man there's so much to think about now you can get back in the day there wasn't like i think it's the same everywhere you didn't have to do you know you didn't have to go to the level now and things were different you know what i mean so yeah. uh yeah man just madness trying to remain professional as the host but it's pretty difficult now with all these comments that are flying in from the typical heads we yeah. think week in, week out. But uh, no, I, I think it's banged on. I think for anyone listening who you know, maybe doesn't fully understand the culture or hasn't experienced that properly, it is fully like a family. And, you know, that's the whole point of this podcast is to, you know, give light and exposure about the amount of blood, sweat and tears and risks that have gone in. And, you know, it, it is fully like a family. Like I've, I've always said to you, I've put my arms around you a couple of times and said, mate, it fully is like my actual family. Um, I think that applies to, to anyone, to be honest, who's involved with the club, you know, full-time, part-time or whatever. I think, you know what, like, one thing we've realised, especially with, like, the lockdowns and stuff like that, is, like, not only do, like, we need it as, like, a business and, like, um, and stuff to kind of, like, survive and for the team and stuff like that, people need it. It's not just, like, you know, the DJs, the people, but the actual clubbers and the clubbing community, they need this because... Without it, do you know what I mean? Clubbing for some people, like, you know, some people ride their bike, they go to the gym, they play sports. Some people kind of get lost in stuff, do you know what I mean? And, you know, you've got to look at people. There's people who are fully invested in that and um, it means a lot. And you know what? You know, I've got to mention, obviously, Josh, do you know what I mean? Josh Wilson, Bolave, sadly, like, you know, he's left us and stuff like that. And fortunately, it's, it's sad to say, but... You know, there's going to be other circumstances which are going to be similar or like that. Yeah. The additional pressures and without stuff, without people being able to release and socialise, like, it's human nature to see each other. Awesome. You know, we've got this through a camera now and everyone's doing Zooms and stuff like that. And, you know, how long can people go on without actually meeting up, partying and listening to music and, and actually feeling like, not just listening to it, thing like clubs. It's about feeling the subs, the frequencies, and stuff like that, and, and the energy in a room. It's just like that's a massive factor, and we can't, you know what I mean? We can't not have that. You know what I mean? Because a lot of people, that's their life. Yeah, definitely. And there's no way we'll allow it to happen, mate. I, I, just, I can't see it happening with, you know, with how you, you've always you've always treated people the right way. You know, I, I don't mean to blow smoke at last. That's one thing I've always said. You know, you've always treated people right. And, you know, there's a good crew, there's a good family and there's enough people behind the club that, you know, it, it, it definitely, well, I, I can't see it going anyway. But, I mean, just when you were saying then about 
Josh, obviously, God bless him, rest in peace. You know, full full respect to him. I still remember some of the early Folier parties, and he never wanted to start off like doing intimate parties with him. It was all or nothing. It was straight, man, doing two rooms. It's fucking going off, and and that's it. So now, nah, you know, fair fair play to him. God bless him. You know, he he always tried to go full out, man. Even from like the first few parties at Lab, didn't they? Yeah, mate. You know what I mean? He was one of those characters I think I've probably learned more of, unfortunately, recently than even before. But no matter what, you know, he was fully invested in what he did. Do you know what I mean? He had his own way of doing things. He stood by it. And that's what it was about. Do you know what I mean? And, and you know, clubbing stuff and stuff like that. There's a lot of people which want to do parties and they want to be DJs and they want to do things, but they don't fully invest themselves or commit to doing it. You know what I mean? He was one of those people which did. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people in the scene which the ones that are successful, they do that. Do you know what I mean? It doesn't matter whether they're commercial or whether they're made off the back of social media followings or or just music or stuff like that. You've got to be like fully, fully invested into it one way or another. Yeah, absolutely, mate. So coming off the, the back of that, we were just discussing earlier on around, you know, how things changed and opening up the terrace and really taking things to the next level. I know that there was talks about, you know, a big refurbishment and a lot of reinvestment. And I started to hear rumours about this this 360 booth in the warehouse and the things happening to the terrace. And I thought, I know Will's forward thinking, but fuck yeah, how how was he going to get a 360 booth in the warehouse? And I just thought, whilst I didn't doubt you, I thought, is this is this going to be achievable? So when when did you start having thoughts with the crew about thinking, you know, if we're going to maintain this and, you know, keep ravers interested in this particular venue by changing things around, what was the main inspiration? Was it by going to, like, different clubs around Europe or just batting ideas? What, what brought that about? I think, like, basically it was a combination of, like, Lab was, like, this space where the party setups were different all the time. And that's probably what worked for it, but equally to manage it was just becoming a nightmare. So the first thing was to like help some of the logistical issues and, and get one setup that worked for everything and kind of gave it an identity. And we looked at like opening, went to have a look at some massive warehouses, like, you know, big things uh, that were like... Birmingham, that, that again. In Birmingham, was that the warehouses you were looking at? Yeah, it looked at like, you know, 5,000 caps plus, that kind of thing. And looked at a few and then just decided, you know what, like, that's not what lab, that's not what lab's about, um, you know, and, he, and with that, there's so many risks as well with, like, current day partying, you know what I mean? Party culture's changed, drug culture, safety, all that kind of thing. So, thought, right, how can we make lab as best as it can be? And obviously, over the years, I've been to different places, the guys different been to different places, you know, people have been stuck in a place like, D and everyone before were going on about Trout for years in Amsterdam, you know, and that closed down a while ago. But that all that had this like 360 booth type thing. Um, obviously, Fabric's got kind of like where you walk behind the booth and that kind of thing as well. But it was just like this idea of like putting the booth in the middle of the room. It'd been talked about before. However, you know, and also people love standing behind the DJ. Don't know how, but the, the lab DJ booth in the main room. That just used to, people used to get in there <laughs> and it was always the way where it was just rammed and um, there was a few like little sketches that came back and putting the booth in the middle of the room and moving stuff around and then 
I went to Amsterdam, um, was it not last year, the year before, um, or was it last year? Maybe the year before, just went on my own and ended up in um, a club called Shelter. Oh, um, mate, unbe- unbelievable shelter is. I've only been once for Marcel Detman before Music On in 2018. What a gaff that is, man. And, mate, Shelter, for me, I'll probably say he's up there, pop arguably as a club, not like a party space, but as an actual club. Mm. Probably I've ever been in, like the sound... Uh, and the way way it was all set up and stuff like that, and the way it was done, and then basically the whole. Uh, yeah, they had like the wasn't like a full three sixty. You could walk behind, but there was like enough space to stand there for a good amount of people to look at it. And I think it was the right kind of balance. Yeah, and um. We thought about doing it in the terrace flat, but the main room was like, right, okay, let's do it. Um, lower the ceiling, do you know what I mean? And then I thought, well, we wanted to make it kind of work in a way where it could be like, because obviously the terrace, we call it the main room, but it's like, it's not the main room as well, do you know what I mean? Because the terrace is the biggest space now. And um, we needed to find a way where sometimes if you've got a big axe on the terrace, you wanted to make that room work. So instead of having to move booths around and stuff like that, it was a perfect kind of, perfect way of solving it because we put stuff in the ceiling so you could cut half the room off. Yeah. The same as a room in its own right, proper club room. You know, it would be, it would really work. And um, that room's never quite been right. You know what I mean? It was always cool. But, you know, there's a few big changes, like when we put the sound acoustic insulation, the boards in to help with, like, the reverb, the sound was always an issue in there. And it was like really wanted to get that room right. And part of the refurb was all about the DJ booths. Like, if the DJs are having a good time, um, the, the crowd, you know what I mean? They're more likely to bring their best game. The crowd's going to have a good time. And just toyed with the idea and then started drawing it all out. And I think anyone, oh, the, the stage blocks, like your eight by fours are almost like your measurements, like when it comes to like planning stuff out. So I kind of did a mini setup. Um, and it just works, you know what I mean? And, and drew it all out and then changed where the bar was because there was talk of the bar going behind and that wouldn't have worked for the like the, the versatility of the space. And just thought, yeah, do you know what? The way shelter was spaced out was perfect. Yeah. You know what I mean? It was the right amount of space and you could still get through without walking into terms of a crowd. And um, yeah, man, I mean, look, that room's like, that room's a proper special room, mate. Do you know what I mean? That, yeah. that, that first moment, there for that terminal reopening i think i i looked at you and i think you were probably a little bit overwhelmed and it's not often that i see you like i think because you always try to push on and make everything better you never really like to settle too much but i think the vibe that was in there and you know it just wasn't a bad tune start to finish i think 99 percent of the time that always applies to terminal and it was just it didn't feel like you were in Birmingham. I don't know what it was. It genuinely felt like you were abroad. And I think that's, you know, a, a huge, you know, testament to the work that went into it to bring that foreign feeling to, you know, Digbeth in Birmingham is a massive achievement. Mate, it was just next level, mate. Like, I think we said to, it reminded me, for instance, like from Barca about four or five years ago, just had that, like you said, that kind of European feel to it. Yeah. Uh, the idea for the screens... I don't know, basically, obviously, the original terminal, like, everyone always asks about putting those original terminal lights back in that the guys had before, but I don't know, I don't even know where, 
can't remember what point. I thought, right, let's see if we can put a screen above the DJ and do it in like a different way. And mate, you know, just looks wicked in there. You know that part, real, and you know we know that room works. And we've had a couple of parties in there, and then you know I still don't feel we've had proper. You know, we did. We've had like what three or four parties in the terrace yet. Do you know what I mean? Like we did the magic door, the two, three, one. And I still think that that room's still got loads to give yet. Do you know what I mean? Because it just works. I mean, God, back in the day, the gusts of wind coming like underneath like the marquee and ah. um, and stuff like that. And a big part of the refurb as well was like prepping prepping the club for the future because you know a lot of that work was soundproofing. Do you know what I mean? Future when there's more apartments and that around, it meant that we had less impact on them. And we wanted to do it now ahead of the curve rather than be told to do it, you know what I mean? So just ironic really that we did it and then uh, we could have actually had eight. We rushed it in a month, do you know what I mean? Had the usual like wet paint on the walls and stuff like that when we opened and then ironically we could have actually waited and, and done it in eight, you know what I mean? We had 18 months, a year probably to do it afterwards with no pressure at all. Yeah, I think that's part of the, well, I wouldn't say fun, but makes it fun and games, isn't it? Still painting an hour before you're supposed to open. Especially, I remember when I did the painting on the After Dark tour and I think it was still wet because I put that much paint on. By the time it opened at 2am, it was still fucking dripping because of my painting skills. Mate, that After Dark refurb was just like... It was... Uh, that was just like one for the books, wasn't it? Do you know what I mean? Sure, it's a small hole on that. Oh, the... Um, I think it... I loved it because it was Tom Brown back to back Jack Gardner in the basement room. And you know what? That's one of my favourite rooms, actually, the, ba- the basement room in After Dark. I actually kind of prefer, in a way, taking nothing away from the amount of work that's gone into the green now, sometimes going into that separate room and watching people, you know, like yourself or Fleur or anyone else, play like the extended sets and the more the more deeper sounds. And so Shorter said on the podcast that he did with Kane Town, and that's what he loves about that when he obviously moved from rainbow to doing 231 and whatever else at lab was it's just there's so many different rooms isn't there you you know you go from the terrace to the warehouse then you know you go to the basement room you know especially when it's a full venue open and i think that's what makes it such a great independent venue and part of the reason why you won the the best uk club venue last year is because it's just so different compared to a lot of other venues you go to it's not generic it's very different yeah man i think that's 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 what lab's about do you know what i mean it's not that it's a club but it's still got a warehouse feel and i think more recently when we've had time to just get the elements right like you know i mean next on the list has got to be the toilets hasn't it do you know what i mean like the those lab toilets would do a refurb like this summer yeah, Addy, Addy kept going on to me and Jake. Addy, mate, giving us hassle, saying, yeah. get Mr. Will to sort the fucking toilets out. Oh, mate, they're pretty, you know, but that's like, you know, we've got to privatise these things, you know what I mean? And the, the, the party spaces came first. But no, look, I mean, more recently, it's just been how to make the spaces as best as they can possibly be, you know what I mean? And yeah, yeah. I'm getting the sound right. I mean, look, I've spent hours in there, We've kiddo, we've put like, you know, we've looked at different ways because we've, we've got stuff over the years, looked at different ways to do it. You know, we've been wiring stuff. You've probably seen it. You've walked in and usually got head torches on, running around, wiring stuff up at like, you know, 10 minutes past opening and stuff like that. But, 
you know, it's almost at that point now where you can kind of like say, do you know what, we're happy with with the way it works. The DJ booths are like a massive thing. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it's just like all those things, really. It's just, it's only now, I feel, in some ways, that the story's just getting going because, mm. you know, we're at that point where, I don't know, maybe it makes it a bit bit more boring that we're not running around and, like, trying to do setups and move I've, speed. I've, I've missed it. I have, definitely. I, I, can't, I can't wait for us all to be properly back together and hopefully it will be, you know, in, in spring next year. It's, it's looking a lot more positive anyway, the more the time's going on. So, fingers crossed we can get back to it in the first couple of months of next year. But I think everyone's waiting now for the probably the arguably the best part of, of the podcast and it's probably been quite a difficult one for you so in no particular order what are your personal five favorite lab 11 moments from over the years i know there's probably 50 plus maybe even more i know there's probably some that you might not even remember because of the antics over the years people might have to remind you so in no particular order what are your top five favorite lab 11 moments that's it that's a tough one, man. I think um, I think like earlier ones like Secret Sundays at Lab. Like I wasn't aware of Secret Sundays. I knew of it. I've not been to the parties. Do you know what I mean? And um, Secret Sundays, that party that the, 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 they booked in. I think Ash booked it in with like James um, Giles. There was like um, Jamie Taylor, who's a like local lad who got proper into stuff, and then. Um, I don't know how you, how you pronounce it, WBs or is it Bs? I don't know, but that was a wicked party, man. That Sunday daytime, um, that's got to be up there. Um, probably the 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 first when the terrace got opened up. You know, that's arguably takes one of the the, the top spot really. That you know, Santi, Sydney, Darius, Martinez Brothers on the night. That was Martinez Brothers two. That was. Probably Martinez Brothers three as well. Do you know what I mean? So the one with Jack Master. Yeah, mate. I think um, that one's turned into a bit of a, a local legend, doesn't it? You know, like yeah. the that party, that party went on. Do you know what I mean? At various locations. Do you know what I mean? I think people party from one location to another that that week. Jack uh, Master ended up with Ollie Westwood in Leicester. <laughs> So uh, that's got to be, you know, that party was wicked. The guys at Martin's would play for like three hours, about four hours that night, do you know what I mean? And um, that was probably up there. Um, I'm trying to think what else. I think um, probably, the, uh, I mean, early Magic Doors. I think the, 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 the first one or two, there's a picture of it actually where we like projected onto the, um, onto like the shed and the arch at the time, like those summer summer magic doors that they you know that party i can't remember which date it was in particular but that was that was awesome i think um what's that three or four um you said, you said secret sundays martinez brothers two magic door um i think the first after dark do you know what i mean let's face it that was never do you know what i mean it's short stuff man because the thing is i think because it was so hush and tight-lipped no one was expecting to set up, especially with the raised dance floor as well. And you walked in and it just had this absolutely ridiculous vibe. Once again, didn't feel like you were in Birmingham at all, especially when the sun was coming up. And and don't get me wrong, I still love After Dark now, but you know, you know 
as a club owner that when a brand breaks through, you know, a lot of people jump on the bandwagon, you know, the, the queues are massive, but though you can't beat those early days when it's just all the music heads, you know, everyone just proper having it off till 7am, it was next level, man. Yeah, mate, you know, that was like, you know, our parking was just like, he put loads into that, into those, into that room, do you know what I mean? And just like, it was like, it, that was a culmination of like, loads of different parties over the years, glasses, kind of like EBLs, two free ones, like into one room that held like 200 people, do you know what I mean? And um, that first party was next level, mate. That last tune, I sure was played Todd Terry, everything but the girl thing last tune, you know, that was that was bad boy, let's face it, do you know what I mean? That was part of a, that was part of a bank holiday weekend as well, that was, that was like, yeah, hey mate, Friday, Saturday, Saturday day, Saturday night after dark, Sunday day, Sunday night, do you know what I mean? So that was wicked. And then, I don't know, the last one, really, it's got to be a toss-up between, like, the first, either, like, the first rooftop parties or even, you know, there was that one acid experiment, you know, in the arch where it was all, like, open with, like, no marquee. Yeah. It's got to be something like that, do you know what I mean? One of the first ones of those, either the, the first rooftop parties or whatever. There's loads, mate, you know vocals the beach party um just loads mate you know what i mean what about you know your likes of solomon and maceo plex because when you're talking about going all in i mean that's a statement on a different level to bring artists like solomon to play a saturday daytime party and then you know maceo plex is you know pioneering and innovator on a, a whole different level and that's someone who's you know playing the biggest festivals in the world same as solomon like you know, that, those kind of parties as well, where it's just big risks, isn't it, really, as well? Yeah, mate, I think... But booking certain DJs, he's like... Some DJs, it's a given, do you know what I mean? And, like, they, they, they're worth the fee that you pay because they sell the number of tickets to pay it, but there's a lot of DJs where you book them because you like them and um, you think they're good, but they just don't sell, do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, Solomon smashed it, do you know what I mean? That was, yeah. like... He absolutely nailed it and he killed it as well, you know, um... Masioplex was like killed it as well, but that was a hard. It's a, it's a slightly more not underground, but like it's it's a more. If you're either into that sound or you're not, yeah. Mate, um, I think that's the thing with Birmingham, mate. Birmingham loves garage. Do you know what I mean? There's no two ways about it. Birmingham is, you know what I mean? It's always had that affinity and that kind of sound with it. Could have just Tom Brown on instead, mate. Should have fucked Masioplex off and just got Tom Brown with the snipers. <laughs> That would have been interesting in so. <laughs> but uh yeah you know what some of that sound is wicked and it works amazingly in other, in other areas and we'll continue to push it do you know what i mean but mm. it's hard work do you know what i mean so some of the more underground or what you class as like credible without being like a music snob because there's too much of that that goes on in, in stuff as well yeah but we want to bring that to the club and kind of bring it on but people love like they just love the party sounds, you know what I mean, in Birmingham. That's what it's always been about. Yeah, absolutely. So, we've discussed the favourite moments. What are your proudest moments then, considering, you know, what you started out as and all the way up till last year when, you know, you were crowned Skiddle's choice of best UK club venue? <sighs> Again, mate. It's like too too hard to kind of pick like individual moments. I just think I think just the whole 
journey really do you know what I mean the whole journey of like doing what we're doing um, and just you know we've got a wicked team there's a wicked team of people there um, everyone brings their own own thing to the table do you know what I mean whether it's just you know whether they're part of like the in-house team or part of like the promoters or extended or just the regular faces and I think that is like you know looking at it now that just feels stronger than ever before and yeah. I think launching the crowdfunder and seeing the support that we've had for that you know what I mean as well like that is something that you don't always not you don't realise that there's that much support out there you know what I mean and I think winning the award and, and all that thing and seeing the club like when it's at but ultimately when you see the club packed and you see people having a good time that's what it's all about that's what we all do it for do you know what I mean and yeah, it's just like it's all about that team. It's like the Lab Eleven family, and that's what it's about, and that's what we, you know, that's what proud of more than anything else. Do you know what I mean? And um, yeah, it's all about the journey, mate. That's it. Absolutely. So before I come on to the final question, I wanted to discuss a little bit more about the relationships you've built with certain artists or brands over the years. So whether that's been obviously Low Stepper becoming an integral part of the Glass family and with his boiling uh, point parties. Then obviously you've got Lauren Lowe Sung, who's you know been on a, a massive upward um, trajectory. And then you know, East End Dubs as well with Turmel and then the East Enders collaboration. Just how some of those relationships first started, how you met some of those people and what it's turned into now. I think, mate, there's like, there's like loads of people to mention there. Do you know what I mean? But yeah. I think, you know... In summary, like Sonny, I've known Sonny for years, mate. You know what I mean? Like back in the day, like when he was playing main, uh, making like Jack in House, and it was out on like if, if the older DJs remember Stompy, which was like another download site that was like Stomp your tracks. This is before Beatport existed, mm. and then you know, kind of built up a great relationship with him over the years, and he smashed it. You know, Will Low Stepper. I mean, mate, I remember when Will was like. You know, there's that whole era of electro back in the day. He was smashing it then, do you know what I mean? And then he kind of went away, bought his new alias together, and, oh, mate, he's smashing it. I think if there's one person to mention, like, in lockdown, who's took it and, and put it forward, do you know what I mean, to use it to their advantage, he's probably low-step amount. I mean, his, his streaming stuff and stuff like that, when he comes back, people are going to be itching to see him party. You know, Loz... <sighs> Chris Lorenzo, Birmingham legend, let's face it, do you yeah. know what I mean? At one stage, he made everything, do you know what I mean? It's, it's mad. He looks like Funk Agenda, who, back in his era, actually made uh, everyone's tunes then as well. And, yeah. And, like, you know, Loz came through, and he kind of, like, he smashed it, and he's just, you know, he's living in LA and that now. And then, you know, Lauren, she'd been, like, terminal resident, um... How did you meet Lauren? Because obviously she's based up in Liverpool. Did you just hear word that, you know, she's obviously a very talented DJ? Or how did that relationship first start? Well, she basically, she'd started out, and when we were originally doing Terminal, she was on an agency that Sarah, who we used to work with, who works with, works with the Custard Factory guys now, she had this agency, and she was on that agency, and a guy called Junior had, had like, got her on the books and that, and was just chatting to, to Dee about it all, and then got her down to play and just like instantly, do you know what I mean? She's a great person and we just thought, she just clicked, she just like instantly became part of that family from that day one, smashed it first time she played, do you know what I mean? Yeah. And then 
just became an integral part of the team. He's always consistent as well. I mean, even that bank holiday showcase you did last year, I know that, to be fair to you, you know, she's broken through, she's very well respected, but to be playing on the same stage as the likes of Apollonia, Sonia Munoz, you know, that, that's still a big thing, and she fucking smashed it out of the park next level. Oh, mate, she killed it, mate. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. She, uh, I mean, when she played, she played some bangers, but when she played Chase's, uh, Eastern Dubs's, um that, the the white label thing you put out with the I can't remember I don't know what it's called it's got all like the brass and the so back to that kind of thing yeah, that, that that killed it do you know what I mean yeah that yeah. an example of um, basically a party that was probably you know what that was arguably one of the the, the Terminal One records oh my like, God. I mean everyone on there Adam Ash Apollonia Sonia Voigtman Sam and Harry, um, mate, we had like um, Sammy D, real gang guys. That, that was a, that party was on paper was like one of the best parties ever at the club. Do you know what I mean? Curation, mate, lost so much money on that party. I remember sitting in the office and you kept up, and obviously we won't discuss figures, but you sat down, and you went right, just lost X amount of money, but we fucking love it. And I was sat there like, mate, I think I would have gone and shit myself and changed my pants if I realised I'd lost that much money and I thought <laughs> okay, you know East End Dubs I mean look booked booked East End Dubs for something and just instantly again just had a great connection do you know what I mean and yeah we we're chatting and stuff and then we're talking about labels and that and you know he's become a good friend and him and and iTech who who work you know with the EastEnders label, like they have helped us no end get the get the terminal label launched. Do you know what I mean? And offered loads of great advice and and they're just great examples of people in the industry that you know. There's a lot of people who party. I think in more recent years, there's a lot of people which still party, but they they take it seriously now. Yeah. Those upper man, they're active. Do you know what I mean? And he's doing loads of stuff. We're doing some others projects that we're working on some media-based projects that you know those guys are potentially going to get involved with um you know they're, they're just great friends and they've helped out loads with, with every step and they help us with the label loads i mean you've got to mention hannah hannah once as well who's like you know been a massive part of, of all shorts his stuff over the years and you know let's face it she's she's massive now do you know what i mean yeah definitely great. i mean obviously i've been lucky to become friends with her and it's, it's funny how it turns out because I remember going to like the textile factory and I was watching it when I was younger and then you know being lucky enough to to go on tour and you know even if I'm carrying the USBs it's still been a fucking it's been a good ride the past couple of years going on tour with that lot it's never never a dull one for sure but like you say testament to her as well and short has always said just you know just, just worked really really hard to get to get to that level mm. Mate, I think that's the key, man. Like a lot of the people who smashed it, they've put the time in, they've put the effort to get there. Do you know what I mean? And a lot of those people have mentioned. There's way more. I mean, I'll tell you who else? Like Jackie, um, mate. He like more recently just been chatting to loads, and he's really supported us. We've like got me in touch with a few people. We've like the the save lab thing in terms of the streaming. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah. Yes. Arts in San Francisco, and you know, and he made a very kind donation to the to the to the fundraiser and that as well and people like that are just super positive do you know what i mean and there's, there's loads of other people been chatting to that are, that are supporting the campaign 
you know, just loads, mate. There's just that many people, you know, that Rob's been chatting to, and there's yeah. just loads of people that are just, I could, you know what I mean? At some point, we, we will put out like a, a thanks and mention everybody, but I just, I'm going to forget everybody if I try and do it now. Do you know what I mean? There's going to yeah, be people. It is difficult, mate. It's like Rob rightly mentioned the likes of Sonny and uh, Chris Lorenzo, and obviously, no disrespect me missing anyone out it's the same as you there's just that many people to mention i think we'd be here all night so finally i know that it's very difficult at the moment to see past covid um i know you had a lot of plans in the pipeline especially with the reinvestment and the refurbishment to both the warehouse and the terrace and obviously utilizing you know the other half of the venue as well but obviously hopefully next year we'll return to some form of normality. So can you give anyone who's watching or listening a sneak peek into some of the hopeful plans when we are able to properly reunite on the dance floor? I mean, look, mate, you know, it's just all going to be about partying, do you know what I mean? It's just like getting people together. There's, you know, it's getting people to see the venue. Not everyone's even experienced, like, you know, the venue isn't easy yet, you know. It kind of works for so many things, like you look at, like, the vocal crowd, for instance, where... It's a bit more kind of grimy where it was. I mean, look, that, that decking on the terrace, I mean, that was well overdue a change, wasn't it? Yeah. But, you know, that works, That you know, just the, the venue's tidier, it's better, it's a better experience for people. And we've still not had it off in those party spaces yet. And yeah. I think Refurb's attracted, you know, it's attracted loads of attention. And I think, as I said before, the family's kind of grown, really. The people that we work with, we know who we want to work with. We're not going to go out there and say, do you know what? We're going to try and book, like, basically all the biggest names and stuff like that. We want to work with people who want to work with us. And, you know, and just do it. We want people to come and want to play there. That's what it's all about, do you know what I mean? And um, a lot of people which are, which are smashing it now, and they want to come and play there. A lot of people have had a good time. And we just want to create parties and crews and there's a lot of the brands that are really smashing it now as well do you know what I mean they're they're building it up and do you know what I think like I might like for a few weeks go back to like 2016 well where I probably don't work on a few of the nights you know what I mean and, yeah uh, and I, <laughs> I mean um, I can't promise any lock-ins now do you know what I mean but that would be we're not allowed to do you know what I mean but um certainly going to do some partying do you know what I mean and I think yeah. I think people are overdue it. When he comes back, let's face it, the appetite for getting together and, and having it off is going to be bigger than ever before. So that in itself, paired with the refurb, paired with you know everyone having aspirations to do well, that's like that's a magical combination. Do you know what I mean? And I hope anyone watching, I know that it is fucking hard at the moment, especially in the second lockdown. It's been a shit year, but. 2021 is going to be a better year. It, it can't be any worse than 2020, put it that way. And, you know, we've just got to believe at the end of the day. I know it's, sometimes it's difficult to remain positive with so many knockbacks. And like you say, you went all in, reinvested everything, and then you got this fucking pandemic, which throws a, not even a curveball. It's just different level, isn't it? But, yeah, I think that's pretty much everything, mate. Um, I don't think it would probably be sensible to leave it wide open for a Q&A. I know that the likes of Jit and Mr. Doris were chomping at the bit to let everyone and ask questions. No. commented on my Facebook state saying, oh, can we ask questions? I said, to be honest, mate, I don't think for the 
the integrity of the Save Lab 11 campaign. It'll probably be the best thing to let everyone fire questions at you. So, uh, no, I just want to say really appreciate you doing it, mate, because I know, you know, you don't really like having the, the spotlight on you too much, which is, you know, fair play. But, yeah, just before we finish, please do head to the link in my bio to read more about the Save Lab 11 campaign. And also add the link to the Spotify uh, link that you'll be able to listen back to from tomorrow. So, cheers, mate. Hope to see you soon. Uh, wicked car, like, wicked job, mate, with all of these. Do you know what I mean? Really enjoyed it, mate. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, mate, see you soon. Nice one. Cheers, mate.